Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. So I am a uh, I'm a softball fan. Uh, in fact, I have a game this weekend. It looks like it's going to be rained out in New Jersey because of the uh, weather, but we'll see. We have a, a tournament, and uh, at a prior radio station that I uh, that I worked for, there was uh, a softball team that I helped organize and manage and played on. And there was a wonderful fella that played on this softball team. And he was a very good softball player. He was a good softball player. Not a great softball player. We didn't have any great softball players on that team, which is why our record was what it was. But a good softball player. So whenever I'm organizing one of these local charity softball tournaments or games, I'm always sure to send him an email invitation. Almost invariably, these emails go unresponded to. I don't take it personally. No big deal. People are busy. People have got a lot going on, especially in the radio business, media business in, in general. And recently, I got a response to one of these softball emails. I said, what is this? And the response was, hey, Frank, I just wrote a new book. How about having me on to promote it? And I said, all right, all right. Maybe that'll make us more likely to get him to play softball next time. Lo and behold, that was my motivation in opening up the book, Obvious, seeing the evil that's in plain sight and doing something about it. But I read the book, and well, a good portion of it, and I have been, which we'll get into as to why only a good portion of it in a moment. I was blown away at the sheer breadth of subjects that are explored by the author. I was also authors. I was also really impressed at the reason that these guys put into what are traditionally very emotional arguments. And uh, you either usually either believe something or you don't know. There's actually a lot of reason behind the faith, as it were. I'm very pleased uh, to welcome the author of the book, Obvious, Seeing the Evil That's in Plain Sight and Doing Something About It. He happens to be an Emmy Award-winning writer and producer for children and family-oriented television programming as well. Very pleased to welcome back my friend, Albin Sadar. Hello, Albin. Hey, Frank, I made it. I made it to the other side of midnight. I didn't make it to the softball game, but I made it to the other side of midnight. I did it. Oh, thank you, Frank. Thank Thank you. I'm thrilled to have you, and uh, congratulations on the book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm so glad you explained uh, who the Frank was that was singing that song, because I, I thought that's who I was talking to. But it, it's, it's the other Frank. You're I, the Frank, the big Frank, the big kahuna, whatever. I be, Albin, um, you yes. cover a lot of a lot of ground in yes. this book, as I alluded to. And uh, you've written it with uh, a name a lot of people may be familiar with, Eric Metaxas, who we'll talk about in a moment. You, uh, This is the only book 
that covers the subjects of whether or not God exists to election integrity. I mean, you cover a lot of ground. Tell me about the scope of this book. Uh, Why did you guys write it? What are you guys hoping to achieve? What are you hoping people take away from this? Okay. First of all, uh, Eric did not write it with me, although I was inspired by him and his book, uh, Letter to the American Church. I got to say that he wrote the foreword to the book, which I am so pleased about. So you got to get the book obvious just to read the foreword, if nothing else, because Eric, of course, is a New York Times bestselling author. And I was the producer of his show until recently. I worked for him for six years, but this book was so important and there's so much involved in promoting it and getting the message out. I, to be fair, I had to kind of move on from mm. his show and, and do the book. So obvious um you know you got to forgive me well i've got the electronic version and they've got your name below the title and then almost as big it's his name so it looks what? now now i see it does say forward by eric metaxas yeah. but it looks obvious and the author is not necessarily obvious <laughs> yeah okay well now, now i know yeah i <laughs> I don't know why you didn't get a, a, a full-blown copy, but, but you got it, the electronic. Anyway, yeah, so but I, I wrote this thing, of course, because of things that were just so dang obvious. that would, Some of the things that have been obvious all our lives, and then suddenly we're supposed to see things that aren't – they're not obvious anymore. Like we're supposed to think there are not just male and female, that there could be you know, 20 more sexes or something. And, and, and I want people to know that there are, so, there are people out there that they're, they're with you. They're in the same boat. You might have to keep, keep quiet at your job because you're afraid if you say something uh, that's obvious – they might look at you like, you know, you've got three heads that, and they're not, but they see, they don't see the obvious, but, but you do. And I explain in a way how we, we kind of got to where we are in that position. And I explained about how things have hap- happened to me like years ago that I, I took, I, all I did was take a stand sometimes, just say no. In one situation, all I did was say no in a very important situation. And suddenly things aligned in my favor in, in, in the favor of being obvious. People started seeing the obvious because when they wanted to do something that was like kind of crazy, but nobody thought it was crazy. And I said, no, we're not going to do it. They suddenly was like, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess he's right. Maybe we shouldn't do it. And suddenly they started, it, it was almost like cold water in the face. They got woken up. So we're talking about woke here exactly because even though people are saying, well, when you're woke, then you see things the way they really are. It's the exact opposite. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think you've nailed that. We're talking with Albin Sadar, his new book is obvious, seeing the evil that's in plain sight and doing something about it. But so, Albin, just in terms of the writing process for this book, you actually left your job as a radio and TV producer and as the sidekick of a very popular national show in order to write this book. Well, it part, that's partially it, they, because there was a lot involved in doing this, going back and forth with the editors and stuff. And I was very, I got to tell you, even though it should, it should have been obvious and just saying it, you know, putting it out there in print, I was just, I was getting kind of nervous about some of the things I was saying because of the same thing people are nervous at their other job. Now, of course, Eric agrees with what I write here 100%. That's why he wrote the foreword. And he's, he, you know, but, but you get, you still get nervous because sure. you're going to kind of go out there on your own and say these things. And, and you wonder even what, what you can say on a national radio show 
like yours to get something out there, you're, you're wondering what kind of feedback are you going to get? Are people going to say like, okay, uh, the guy's made some sense here and, and he's, it's resonating with me what he's saying. Um, so I, 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 so it was, it's that important to me, I think, because, you know, the last part of the book, part four, in fact, if, if I were to say that what, what is the chapter that's number one, the number one reason why I wrote the book, number one would be the chapter called the mostly peaceful insurrection. And I, there's, there's a lot packed into that chapter, but, but there's, there's a lot of chapters around it that support what's, what's said there. But I try to get to the core of things by saying things that, that, that will, when people read it, they say, that's right. I didn't think of it that mm. way, or did, I didn't hear people talk of it that way. I, I, I love a little story I tell in the very beginning of the book, and there's a lot of little stories that go along with, with what's in there. And, and it's a, a joke that my, uh, one of my best friends, his dad, told us when we were kids in high school. He said, like, hey, I, I got to tell you, uh, here's a riddle. He said, a guy goes into a coffee shop, and he, he's, he, he grabs a seat. He's, he's eating breakfast, uh, and, and he looks up, and there's a guy sitting at the counter, and he orders, he orders uh, uh, two cups of coffee and a donut. And then he takes the donut, he breaks it in half, he dips one half in one, half, one cup of coffee, one half in the other cup of coffee, and the guy sitting there looks at him and says, you're a sailor, aren't you? <laughs> and, and he looks at and his, the guy, my friend's dad looks at us and says, like, how did he know that he was a sailor? And we were, we were like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. And he said, because he was wearing a sailor suit. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes there's just things like that, that the press will leave out of a story. They won't tell you the whole story or they'll fudge things or they'll take things out of context, which is mostly what they do. They'll take something out of context, a quote or something, and then you'll start thinking the opposite of what would be true because you don't know the entire facts. You're not told everything. And if you were told everything, like you had free speech, like you were allowed to debate things, you might want to question the last election, for example, and you're allowed to debate it. But if say, no, 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 can't talk about that. Can't talk about that or you're going to be in trouble. You are going to be in trouble. We took four and a half or five years to, to debate the last, the last election, the 2016, but you, you can't take five minutes to talk about the fact that this wasn't the most secure election in American history. So there's an example there. <laughs> when when you talk about, uh, and we're talking with Albin Sadar, the author of the book, Obvious, seeing the evil that's in plain sight and doing something about it. When you talk about the issues that you explore here, the uh, issues relating to uh, family, society, uh, even public policy issues, how do you know if something is evil versus two people just having a differing opinion about that? I mean, uh, someone might think it's a good idea to put cameras everywhere uh, to prevent crime. Someone else might think that's a tremendous infringement upon personal privacy. You, you explore that issue of privacy versus state surveillance. How do you know that something is evil? Well, you know what? The most recent thing that happened is a good example. When you have these terrorists go into Israel and do what they do, and there are people out there saying, like, oh, no, I'm on their side. Oh, they're fine. I don't know if you read what Barry Weiss said. I think she's the, the free press. Sure. Woman. Yes, I subscribe. Oh, 
Yeah. When you read the atrocities that happened there, they are beyond the pale. They are like sickening. Like great line, she said, the the Nazis, they hid their atrocities and the world had to discover them once the war was over uh, during that time. Right. But with them. They go in and they film it. They're proud of it. They want you to see what they've done. And it is so, it's not just evil. It's sad beyond, beyond belief. And yet there are people like, nope, nope, there's two sides, all these stories. Oh, yeah, no, well, no, no, let's work out your differences here. And, uh, you know, come on, it's evil. Call evil, evil. And, and, and see, the problem is we've gotten to that point. When you talk about, well, why can't you sit down and say, look, I want to help the poor this way. Oh, well, well, I want to, I want to help them this way. Well, let's talk about it. It's a different, yeah, I disagree with you, but we both want to help the poor. You know, that's, that's what it used to be. When I was growing up, I, I talk about this in the book, I, in Reserve Township, which is a, a suburb right outside of Pittsburgh. My dad was a policeman, four, four policemen in that town. He, and I'm not kidding. My father was the greatest guy. He was almost exactly like Andy of Mayberry <laughs> in a small little town. He was just a delightful guy and everybody loved him. But we'd have like backyard picnics with, you know, neighbors and friends and all that. And people disagreed. In fact, you know, there was one guy who was a Republican councilman that lived in our town. And there's, you know, obviously there were Democrats. My parents were Democrats. But you sat there and you talked about things and you didn't at the end of the day, you had your burger, you had your beer and your, your whatever. And you you went home, but you weren't angry and mad and saying, I'm never speaking to you again. You know, we've gotten to that point. The other thing I, I, I love in my book, you've seen it even on the an electronic version, is the kindergarten picture. There's a, I, do, I don't know if you remember this from the book, but there's a kindergarten picture of my twin. I have an identical twin brother. So my identical twin brother and I are in the picture, and it, we're gradu, it's graduation day in the kindergarten in 1960, okay? The whole, all the kids are there. It's like 22 kids, and this is the north side of Pittsburgh, and uh, East Street School, um, and and there's like five black, I think four black children. Sorry, sorry, and the, you know, and uh, it it was like the ratio of about the blacks to whites in America at the time, and we're all standing there smiling in our Sunday best, looking really cute and cool and all this stuff, and and it was a beautiful time, and it was a beautiful time. Not and again, not for everybody. There were a lot of differences especially between races in the 60s, but we were together and we were like, you know, we were getting there. We were starting to work things out. People were starting to come, come to a realization, especially toward the end of the 60s. And then the end of the 60s, things just went off the rails. They just kind of blew up and started going in the wrong direction because, you know, they people – they, they just weren't able to start to work out their differences. I think this is where the thing started to get a little angry and troubled and that sort of thing. But so waiting on a tax return, hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. No, I appreciate the mentioning of what's going on in uh, Gaza and in Israel right now, because that's exactly what I was going to ask you about, because if there's ever been a uh, an embodiment of evil within my lifetime, it's certainly easy to see it when it comes to Hamas. One issue which might not seem as obvious, but you lay it out in a very interesting way, is the issue of care for the earth. How could uh, the subject of the environment go into the obvious category of evil versus not so evil? Okay. Uh, First of all, let me let you know that my twin brother helped me with that section. My twin brother has books out on uh, the care of the earth and that sort of thing. Um, uh, uh, um, His name's Anthony J. Sadar, and you can find his books in Global Warming We Trust, that kind of thing. And he's a very good friend of Joe Bastardi, who everybody knows. In fact, they both went to Penn State together. So there, there are things that are, that are going on with the earth. There's a great example in there about people saying there's too, too many people on the earth. In fact, at the, one of these world things recently, I, I, I forget the gentleman's name. I've got his quote here in the book. He said that, that the planet really can't sustain 8 billion people. They can't sustain 8 billion. It can only sustain about a billion or a billion and a half. And uh, we have to cut down on the population. I'm thinking these guys, they don't volunteer to go first, though. You know, they'll (laughs) say, hey, you know, there's too many of you. There's too many of your people on the earth. Not So what what they did, and I think what my twin brother had done, it was following up on something P.J. O'Rourke had done. He took... The area of, of the um, of uh, he, he took uh, the area that you could just let's give give everybody. Uh, I think it is like 200 by 200 square foot plot or something like that. Uh, or it might be 20 by 20. I know it's small, but but he's just making a, a little uh, observation here about having land, having a piece of property to live on, to just exist on. I, and again, I forget the numbers in the book, um, but. But if you take the number of people in the world, 8 billion, because I think we've just hit the 8 billion, and divide it by everybody gets a plot of land. No, I think it's 40 by 40 feet, 40 by 40 feet, I believe. You give everybody that size of a plot. Now, it's not, it's not real large, but it's, let's just say that's a plot of land for you to have a house. And you got all 8 billion people together. You put them all together in one piece of earth all of the earth what what size would you need what where would you put all these people and it would come it comes down to you could put eight billion people in 20 their own 40 by 40 foot foot plot in in kansas it takes kansas uh, the whole state of kansas that's it and the rest of the earth is you could do what, what, what you want with now keep in mind that's not people living on top of each other like they do in new york city right and you, you could so if you had people living in, in 
skyscrapers and stuff like that. Sure. You still have enough plots, enough area in camera. All right, so we're not running out of space anytime soon. That's uh, that's exactly. encouraging. Now, I, I raised, I mentioned one of the issues that you raised in your book of personal privacy versus state surveillance. Get to, fill me in on your analysis of that. Where do we draw that line, and how do we? What's so obvious about that? Well, I, I think it's a, an, an issue where people want you, they, they want to know what you're doing all the time, it seems like. Like the fact that we're on the phone right now, and they're tracing this stuff, they're talking about, you know, people could be, if they wanted, they could be listening in to just my private conversations. Here's a, here's a good example, and it comes down to AI. And this is a really huge debate that's probably going to take place more closer more in the future. I mean, sure. I know you know, Elon Musk and all that talking about it. But one day my wife and I were just sitting around, and I had this nice hat. And I said, boy, this hat is great. I really love it. I, I'd like to get another one of these hats. And she said, when well, she looked at the brand, and she said, oh, it's a, a Scala. Oh, okay. I, I can, we can go online. We can check one out. I'm not kidding. I opened up my laptop like an hour later. There's advertising for hats. Like, I mean, I, it, where, where did who was listening in on that? Why was the computer actually was mm-hmm. following what I'm saying? And I'm like, and of course, people can say, well, that's a good thing or that. But I'm thinking like, you know, it's like a chapter in my book called Who Died and Made You Boss? It's like. You know, why are you, you know, already like, I don't know that my computer can do that. It's like you're already kind of secretly you're sneaking in and you're 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 checking me out. And they're, you, oh, you want to do it for a nice reason. But what if I'm, you know, what, what if I'm uh, want to get together with friends and support a certain candidate that, that people don't like and they're listening in and they're like, well, now he's uh Oh boy, he's he's on the wrong side of this issue. We're all supposed to be together supporting, you know, this other guy. I mean, that's I guess that's basically something I'm trying to to get to too in the book that there should be more of a debate about that instead of just um, the science right. coming up with something. We're right. all gonna we're all gonna do this now. Well, wait a minute. Why are we all gonna do this now? Albin, is this book only for conservatives? Um, it's mostly for conservatives and Christians. In fact, that's why I begin the book with God exists. Okay, I begin it there because I I I want it to be I want people to know where I'm coming from. These things are obvious because I believe very strongly, because I, I've seen evidence of it basically, that that God does exist and that he that he actually shows himself to us in ways that we we kind of miss because because again we miss the obvious sometimes and I, and if there's time I'd love to tell a brief little story about my friend uh, Connie who that's you might have read this in the book um, about when she was she was far left before it was popular to be far left and when I first got to New York City I was in like a playwriting group and I was writing like funny comedy plays and she was writing dead serious like plays. And she was, she always thought it was kind of funny and I was kind of childish for believing in God. Now I grew up in a, a great Catholic family and a wonderful, you know, mom and dad and, and a twin brother and younger brother and two older sisters, five of us kids. 
And, you, you know, we believe in God. And to us, it was like obvious. And, you know, and people would say, well, you've never questioned it. And this is where it comes to Connie. She came from a dysfunctional family. And she, you know, her, her parents were always screaming at each other. And she was always sad and depressed. And, and she, she wondered if there was a God. So she said, well, this is why I don't believe in God. She said, one day I went out my back porch and I said, uh, God, if you exist, and she was like in tears, God, if you exist, I want you to prove yourself to me. I want you to show yourself to me right now. I want you to let me know that there's a God, that you exist and that you care about me. And, and she said, within a few seconds, a little bunny hopped out of the woods. And I suddenly was like, just filled with, with peace and joy. And, and then, and then I knew, I knew that there was no God. There was only nature. <laughs> I'm like, I said, Tony, what the hell? You missed it. What do you No, 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 there's only nature, you know? Al- said, Alvin, uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to end it there. I hope people check out the book. Uh, it's called Obvious. It's available on Amazon and uh, most other places where books are available. Its author, Albin Sadar, has been my guest. You could search Albin, S-A-D-A-R, and uh, the book will come right up. Alvin, thank you for the time. Let's chat again soon. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead.